0: Welcome to the Loveland LibCast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Hi, everybody. Before we get to today's episode, here's some exciting library news. If you've ever wanted to learn Adobe Creative Cloud applications, now is your chance. Adobe applications are the industry standard for graphic design, image editing, and videography. Library staff will be teaching upcoming courses on Illustrator and Premiere Pro. Each topic is a two-part series taught Tuesdays and Fridays in the afternoon. If you can't come in person, you're in luck. We're offering these classes in a hybrid style so that online learners can participate via Zoom and in-person learners can come into the library computer classroom. Illustrator will be held Tuesday, November 9th, and Friday, November 12th, from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Premiere Pro will be held Tuesday, November 16th, and Friday, November 19th, from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Registration is required, and you can sign up on the library's website under the events calendar or by calling 970-962-2599. And now for my conversation with poet, actor, and musician, Hoser Guerrero, who also performs some of his work. This episode caps off our series celebrating Latino Heritage Month and Day of the Dead in partnership with Heart and Soul. I hope you enjoy. Joining me today is Hoser Guerrero, poet and musician, and real excited to have you on this podcast. You're my first poet and musician, so welcome to the Loveland Libcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor. We're excited to be able to celebrate Latino Heritage Month and also Day of the Dead started this week. This is going to come out Friday, but our celebrations started on November 1st. And I want to start by uh, where did you grow up? I grew up, most of the time I grew up in Denver,
1: um, but I, I was born in El Paso, Texas, um, and I lived in Juarez, Mexico until I was about, I would say maybe nine or 10 years old, um, and then at that point we came here to Denver, or I guess to Colorado, and uh, been here for about 20 years, so a good chunk of my life I've spent here in Colorado, so I consider myself a Colorado. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and and when did you start writing poetry or performing poetry and and music? Yeah, I th- I think I always wanted to be some sort of
1: a performing artist. Um, ever since I was a little little boy, I remember. Um, I mean, I remember as early back as uh, maybe five or six years old when I was uh, started to dabble with with songwriting and and, and I, I realized that I can do my own songs, right? That I can write my own stuff. That was kind of a big Moment in my life, right? A big epiphany uh, or a big, uh, I guess, paradigm shift where my mind kind of switched over and was like, "This is what I want to do." Um, I remember, you know, the career day. The t- teachers kind of being like, "Oh, that's that's cool, but what do you really want to do?" <laughs> right? Like, and so it always kind of felt like that—a little bit of like the, the the response was always like, "Oh, cool," but you know, uh, so that didn't really discourage me though. When I started, uh, I got into. Uh, In high school, um, I started kind of playing a little bit more with poetry, and I always kind of did a little bit of hip hop, right? That was just a cool thing to do. So I always kind of dabbled with rhymes. Uh, But then eventually, I think it was uh, yearbook assignments that they asked us to write a little I am poem. So I was like, okay, you know, I gave it a little chance, and it was actually actually something kind of cool. So... um, well, a few teachers kind of encouraged me to continue uh, and to submit a few other things or you know to try and uh, luckily in my school there used to be an open mic that happened every um second friday of the month and it was not the school's open mic it was an organization that came in uh, they're called cafe cultura they would come in you know and then take over the space and have a big event and so i happened to walk in i happened to be in the right place at the right time um, and then i started I would watch some of these people uh, like our poet laureate Bobby Lefebvre, um, one of my good friends and, and, and mentors. Uh, so I saw him perform. Right? I saw other people perform, and I was kind of blown away. So I was like, "Wow!" I thought I was doing something cool with my rhymes, and, and this is way different, right? This is kind of a different medium, but it's so similar at the same time. So I gave it a chance, and uh, you know, and I, I I went to that open mic a few times, and then I was, from there it kind of just took off and. I didn't really stop writing ever since. <laughs> and the acting was also a big part of it. I'm also an actor with a with company called Su Teatro. And uh, it's kind of hard. You know, you have to wait around for folks to cast you or for folks to, um, to give you a platform or a stage. So I was like, I'm just going to write my own stuff and I can perform this anytime I want instead of having to wait for a casting agent or a director to put me on stage.
0: Where did you start performing after that open mic were you talking to people or figuring out okay where can i go and yeah well i had
1: uh i met one of my best friends there at that that night at the open mic uh um, my buddy his name's elijah lynch and um i didn't know that this, the denver poetry scene was so rich um and you know I, I was i was like uh my eyes were unveiled to a a, a whole new world um and um, my friend actually came out, and he was like, "Hey, you, you know, there, you know, there's a few other open mics in the city, so you should come check them out." One of the open mics was at the Mercury Cafe, right? And there's that's I think it's the oldest open mic in, this, in the state of Colorado, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, and um, the building is really neat, right? It's such a beautiful like with vines all over, and it's just mysterious looking, but it's really creative looking at the same time so they uh I went all right, let's go check it out and 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 he's like, "Oh, you're gonna like it because this is more of a competition right and so then that's where the slam poetry came in. I was like, oh, it's like a like a hip hop battle right He's like, yeah, kind of you should come check it out right so I was like, oh, I'm in, so I went i you know this is the first time I ever slammed and uh competed, and you know uh, there was a youth youth team that, that represents Colorado or denver specifically uh in the uh, the youth festival, it's called Brave New Voices. Uh, so the first slam I go to, they're having their send off show. So they're going to I don't know if I forget where it was that year, but they were going to the national competition at that point. So it was their last show before they went out. So I competed in the slam that day, and I won the slam. It was the first slam I've ever been a part of, and I won. So it was like, oh, this might be something that I, I can actually do. Uh, and then from there i met the coach and the coach was like dude we're so bummed that we just met you right now his name is ken arkine also a well known poet in the city he's now in new zealand but um you know he was like man i wish we could take you with us you know to the trip but next year right we'll, we'll do this again next year so if you're interested you know come you know please um, come back uh, so I did. I, I I came back and then I found all these other different venues that were around. Right at that time, there was about maybe like there was probably like an open mic every single night of the week, right, including Monday. Like
0: oh, the wow. last post. yeah. But
1: <laughs> and it was probably the Monday one was one of the biggest ones. Is uh, Slam Nuba, which is you know one of the most prestigious open mics or, or teams in the city on a Monday, right? And it was. Always packed, never, never no room. You know, no sitting room. You had to sit on the floor if you really wanted to, which is really interesting. Wednesdays, it's Tuesdays, there was an open mic. Uh, you know, all over the place. So it was really cool. It was a cool scene to be a part of, and I dove in right head first. Um, it was changed my life for sure. And then you know, you get to meet all these other poets and. You know, so it's that's kind of where it all started, right? And where we all started going after that, um, and, and quickly it was like the whole city knew who we were, right? And so then the next year we went to, to Brave New Voices, and that year Russell Simmons happened to be um, televising the show through HBO, and so that changed my life completely, and it and it transformed me and elevated me in a way that I never could have imagined. Um, so we got to be in the in the documentary film, which is still on some on on demand and stuff like that. You can still access it. It's really weird to go back and watch you as as a little young chavalito <laughs> re- reading poetry, but yeah, so that you know after that we came back and it was like almost as if we were hometown heroes in the poetry <laughs> community and, and we got a lot of opportunities to tour you know as as senior as seniors in high school and freshman sophomore year of college i was pretty much on the road most of the time so it was kind of interesting it was really fun really fun uh, experience for sure
0: yeah that's (laughs) yeah that's amazing especially just sticking with it when Mm -hmm. was it really kind of high school where where you're getting more support like hey you should you should do this yeah yeah and it was in high school and i got expelled from a few uh,
1: a few high (laughs) schools prior to that so I went to this alternative school and unfortunately the school is now closed but it it was called um, La Academia at the Denver Inner City Parish um it was like a non-profit private institution um it's kind of interesting uh but it was mainly for folks who had been expelled and for you know kids who ne- necessarily didn't or didn't do so well necessarily in the public school system and one of the things that they really advocated, right, was the arts and, you know, and, and trying to express yourself or, you know, get get some of that tension and ten- built up tension inside of us out. Um, so there's a lot of poetry. There's a lot, you know, Su Teatro. That's where I first met Su Teatro um, or took a class. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it was, they were really trying to encourage. And, and once they kind of saw that I had some interest in that, you know, they, they immediately were like, oh, come on. You know what I'm saying? They, they pushed me in the right path. Do you also teach? Yeah. What do you teach? I primarily teach um, acting. Okay. Theater. I work for Su Teatro now. Uh, really really cool, uh, full circle experience with them. Uh, I Like I told you earlier, I started acting around maybe 15, 16, when I, w- when I was going to La Academia. Su Teatro offered a class there at La Academia. And so I took it and then, once I graduated college, um, I was still kind of around, you know, and, and, and so they offered me a position finally uh, as, a, as an educator or as the, the lead instructor for their cultural arts and education program. And, um, yeah, that's been pretty cool, you know, but I also get to teach poetry, um, you know, with different organizations like Slam Nuba and um, a few other folks around the city. Youth on Record um, brings me in to, to, to teach some workshops every once in a while. But I primarily focus on the acting in the theater uh, nowadays. So I get to work with little ones from uh, kindergarten to seniors in high school, and it's kind of a cool mix. Just because I, you know, I don't, I don't work in one school. I work in maybe four or five different ones, and so
0: I get to see all the demographics. In the, in one <laughs> yeah, <week>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a lot of different experiences and kids who. Have different levels of interest, or yeah. ability, or willingness <laughs> exactly. to get in that headspace, or not look cool. You know, that's the main thing. Yeah. The little ones are fine. You know, they they'll do anything. You know,
1: they're they're totally fine being silly and looking silly. <laughs> The high schoolers, man. It's like pulling teeth sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, come on, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they all have really good stories to tell. And I think oftentimes as youth, we get discouraged to tell those stories. And if it wasn't for that school, I don't think I would have felt inclined to tell my story, uh you know? So, you know, I always try to remind them that, you know, whatever, whatever story it is you want to tell, go ahead. You know, this is only going to help you in that process, you know, the acting and, and the writing. And it's just going to make you a stronger storyteller at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Do we want to transition to doing you know, some poetry? Let's do yeah.
1: It. Let's do it. This poem is, uh, is called You Are Not the Father. Um, it was actually inspired by Columbus Day which we we like to call Indigenous Peoples Day um and also I wrote this poem early in the day and I was watching Maori <laughs> the Maori show and so that's kind of how this 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 whole thing was started uh, but this poem really tackles or deals with uh you know um I guess embracing the inner indigenous person inside of me uh, as a Mexican-American or Chicano, oftentimes in Mexico and Mexican culture, you're discouraged from identifying uh, with, with any sort of indigenous culture or traditions. It's oftentimes viewed as uh, ignorance right the indio is is ignorant almost um it's really messed up the, the idea and the concept of it but uh, that's how it is and uh, so oftentimes mexican folks will not admit right that they are in some sort of way indigenous but the truth is it's that's who we are right we are a mixture of indigenous and spanish blood and so often you know i think as as a as a younger person i, I struggled with that identity uh, and so this, this poem kind of talks a little bit about that, but also, um, you know, about some of the, the, the historic mistreat and abuse that indigenous people have faced, not only in this country, but in this continent. But yeah, so this is uh, You Are Not the Father. The results are in, in the case of America, Christopher Columbus, you are not the father. I'm writing this poem on Columbus Day, picking at scabs from old wounds that have yet to heal, reading old history textbooks for inspiration. If there's anything more painful than an old guy telling your story, it's when it's wrongfully told. <laughs> I still remember the first time I learned his name. Mr. Washington's words sounded more like a rifle. Christopher Columbus discovered America. At that moment. I felt the thunder beams crack the sky. I was in first grade, and even then I understood that something was missing. So I raised my hand, and somehow it felt like an Indian revolt, like I was shooting wooden arrows into the mouth of a steel cannon. What about the natives? How can you discover someone where Mother Earth already spoke our name into existence? And Mr. Washington's eyes turned into smallpox into blankets, ready to exterminate any question that I had. Well, the Indians were just a bunch of heathens, undressed and uncivilized. And suddenly, our classroom turned into the battle at the Little Bighorn, and the ancestors said, today is a good day to die, and I'll be damned if I let this fool lie. But I was seven years old, excluded from Thanksgiving dinner. The scoldings I received felt like massacres at Sand Creek, like braids being cut off at boarding school. They say the only good Indians are dead Indians, so they cut our hands off if we didn't bring enough gold. And if you really wish to exterminate the savages, you must start with their children, because nits make lice, and lice are bloodthirsty. But here's the irony. When Columbus first encountered the Tainos, he gave them the name Indios, meaning in God or God's children. Someone please explain to me why we worship a man who kills angels. I guess he read the Bible the same way he wear map coordinates with his eyes closed. Yet today, we still celebrate the world's biggest mistake. But the truth is, Columbus never even stepped foot on what we call America. Yet his bloody spirit still lives on in the hungry trigger fingers of police officers killing our people at high rates through the oil pipelines that stretch themselves through our sacred sites and water supply. America, is there not enough blood underneath your fingernails already? You've tried so hard to bury us underground, but you forgot that we were seeds. Our red tree will always blossom. And you can never cut us down. Uh, this next poem is uh, a little bit more on the on the lighter side, a little bit more uh comedic. It's even though it's still a pretty tough um topic that it that discusses, but this poem is called Whoopins and it's um, it was inspired by the of course by my son. Uh have a I have a thirteen year old uh, and he he was uh you know doing thirteen year old stuff and I guess th- during the time he was probably more like three or four and you know how do we discipline children right that's kind of where the with the poems uh <laughs> Main concepts are. I remember how we got uh, disciplined, and uh, so I was, you know, trying to trying to find a median between how my parents raised me and how I plan to raise my child. And so um, this poem was, began as a group poem uh, with four other poets who also contributed kind of their narrative and their story. And so then I went to this uh, competition called the Individual World Poetry Slam, and. As part of that competition, you have to have a one-minute poem, a two-minute poem, and then several three-minute poems. So this was my one-minute poem. Or maybe it was a two-minute poem. I'm not sure. But uh, So anyways, this poem is called Whoopins. Jose David Guerrero Chávez Calván. Get your butt inside this house. What did I tell you last time? I remember hearing those words and my nalgas clenching like a pair of terrified chipmunks. It was time for a good old whooping. And my parents handed those out like the sky in Denver hands out snowstorms. My mother's cry was like thunder, cracking the night sky every time I gave her a reason to roar. Whoever said lightning never struck twice in the same place must have never felt my mama's hands. But it wasn't just the hands that did the damage. Oh, no. See, my mother had the miraculous ability to transform any object into a weapon. So I watched her mold chanclas into machetes and hairbrushes into grenades. These were our mannerism classes. Lessons that I could recite like the back of my father's hands. See, he used to tell me he would hit me because he loved me. And how he wished that at my age, he had parents who cared enough to whoop him when he did something wrong, too. Now, quit moving you're only making it worse this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you and I believed him every time he said that I felt the salt in my father's tears splash the wounds he left on my back and they still sting every time I hear my son cry so today I stand here looking at my scars and I ask myself if I want to be the one to give my son his first and the answer is usually no, because <laughs> I know one day he's going to say something that's going to make me want to grab him by his big old ear. But I'll explain to him that in our neighborhoods, whoopings can sometimes feel warmer than an absent father's hug. And for all the, all the parents out there dealing with the same dilemma, remember, life beats our kids enough as it is. I said life beats our kids enough as it is. So let's help them pick them back
0: on their feet instead of beating them down.
1: This poem is called Walking Towards Freedom. It was uh, actually inspired her. I started writing this, um, after uh, the death of uh, Trayvon Martin, and um, it, it, I was I used to walk everywhere, right? Before I had a car or a license, I just used to walk everywhere. When the bus was late, I would just walk, you know? I'm like, oh wow, I'll probably beat the bus there anyway. I, I just loved walking. And I think it's because my father always kind of encouraged us to, to, you know, he, he wasn't going to give us a ride <laughs> anywhere. So you if you really wanted to go somewhere, you would figure it out. And so... Um, I, I thought about the, the idea of what is the most universal thing, right? Or what can be? And I, I, I think back now, and that was kind of a really close-minded thought, because not everyone has the ability to walk or to move freely, which is kind of what the message is, right? Uh, sometimes people like us, they even our walk can be a criminal activity. Um, and so that's kind of where this poem is based in. in a, this poem is for my father but you know for all, all the all the folks who who grow up and uh, trying to be something that because society expects you to be that and, and also following your own path and setting your own path and uh, walking your own road so i got that special type of walk the type of walk Your daddy used when he first talked to your mama type of walk. Yeah. I got that special type of lean. So smooth. You think I'm cruising the low rider on Cinco de Mayo. See, I've been working on my walk for a while now. Ever since I was a little chavalito. I could recall my father walking me through the process at an early age. He would say, Walking. Is one of the simplest ways you can show someone your freedom. See, the first step to being enslaved is to actually get caught. Why you think Martin Luther King and Cesar Chavez spent all that time marching? You got to stay on your toes, mijo. The system has interesting ways of turning a man into a slave. If you ask my father for a ride... <laughs> He would tell you to walk. After crossing the desert for a better life, he sees my walk to the Loveland Public Library as an easy stroll to the park. Walking in my father's footsteps has taught me that if you love something, You'll do anything you can to get to it. Your feet will get you there if you allow them to. My father walks with the determination of an immigrant. Like his children will starve if he doesn't walk fast enough. Like there are immigration agents chasing after him. He is America's worst nightmare. A bad dude in a foreign country and I always wanted to walk just like him. But I always seem to take the wrong steps. Walking in and out of jail, pacing in my cell like a caged ocelot. These must have been the ways you get enslaved my father talked about and it. I started in the sixth grade when doctors explained to my parents why I walk with this slight limp. My right leg was shorter than the left, forcing me to apply most of my body weight on the right side. I developed a walk that would quickly label me a thug. I guess the inequalities I was exposed to finally drenched through my clothes and into my bones. So now I walk like I got a wounded knee, like the structure holds me down by my back pockets. Saggy jeans are one of the side effects left over from our oppression. And when you walk with this much weight at an early age, your steps begin to sound like ticking bombs. The type of walk that makes somebody move out the way, punk. The type of walk that make the cops want to follow you. In 2013, Trayvon Martin was murdered for having the same walk as me. And they asked me why I cried. Because he walked just like me. Because he walked just like me. Still perfecting his own walk. Still getting used to the feeling of walking in a black or a brown man's shoes. This, This is the reason why kids like us never achieve social mobility. How can we climb the ladders of class if we can't even walk through our neighborhoods without feeling like someone is chasing after us? But I risk it all to show my son and the rest of the chavalitos in the world that you can walk to a better future instead of having to walk away from everything all the time. And if we all walk at the same time, the weight of our steps will force this world to flip its rotation. So stand up and walk with me. My people, stand up and walk with me. We have the weight of the world at our feet. I think it's time that we
0: finally, Exercise our freedom. Thank you for dropping by the Loveland LibCast. We really appreciate it, Hoser. And then, if you've got anything coming up that you want people to know about, yeah, we'd love to hear it.
1: Sweet, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been it's been fun. Um, and. It's cool to come out, out here in the different parts of Colorado and not just be stuck in the city the whole time. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, you know, outside of poetry, I also do, you know, a few other things. Um, uh, one of those things is playing with this band called Los Mocochetes. We've been playing for about six, six years together. And uh, finally, we put out our first album. Uh, it's called Mucho Gusto. Uh, nice to meet you. And uh, it's our first EP, so go check it out. That's out on on every uh, music platform uh, that you can think of, um, and also you know YouTube, uh, all that good stuff. You can find it also at our website losmoncochetes dot com, um, and we have a few shows. Uh, you can you can kind of check in our uh, Facebook or Instagram pages, and most of that is announced pretty often, but. Uh, We're playing in Greeley on the 20th of November. I know we're playing uh, on the 6th uh, of of November. Uh, We're playing down um, for Dia de los Muertos um, on Santa Fe. We have um, quite a few other things happening uh, in the month of December. And we also have a few other cool things. I know on the 6th, there's also going to be for As Dia de los Muertos celebration. I know my youth theater company uh, is, is actually performing uh, a play called Always Something to Do, aka Francisca y la Muerte, about a, an old lady who refuses to die because there's so much to do around the house, which is really a cool little story. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we got a bunch of different cool stuff happening. Uh, if you're interested, you know, check out our page also check out my my artist page uh hoser on facebook and on instagram that's j-o-z-e-r we'd love to uh you know get you out to some of these shows Uh, but once again thanks for having me it's been a blast
0: thank you so much for being here hoser and uh thanks for celebrating day of the dead with us i like (laughs) your shirt by the way (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of the loveland libcast if you'd like to contact us about the podcast Please reach out to the host, Daniel Tate, at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.